California And red clay in Georgia Well, I've been around you know But not one place quite like home What's up everybody? It's Tuesday, May 26, 2020. I'm your host, Kirk Ross. This is A Talk in the Attic. I hope you had a relaxing and safe Memorial Day. Truthfully, I realized something this Memorial Day. Something we don't hear enough of these days. A, a positive outcome of the ultra-disruptive coronavirus pandemic. Sure, economies are destroyed. Nearly a fifth of the nation is without work. And political tensions are nearing a fever pitch. But at least this year... We didn't have to deal with that terribly awkward decision that invariably and constantly arises the last weekend of every May for me. No, sir. And I mean sir in the gender-neutral sense. No, sir. This year we didn't cross paths with so many people, did we? Not with the social distancing measures firmly in place. That means we didn't have to scramble for the right adjective to throw in front of the Memorial Day salutation 40 times. I only had to do it a few times this year. I mean, happy Memorial Day? Merry Memorial Day? Come on now. It's a holiday designed to pay respects to the men and women who gave their lives in the name of freedom and on behalf of protected politicians holed up in their mansions. What exactly is there to say? What word is appropriate for this greeting? If you're like me, then you stumble and stutter your way through a list of red line bad options. Happy, have, well, I mean, have a fun, I mean, it's, it's Memorial Day. Hey, it's nice out today, eh? perfect day to crush burgers and hot dogs to get blackout drunk before challenging your 10-year-old son's friend to a chicken fight in the pool. You think you're better than me, Channing? Cannonball! Ah, jackknife! Numbing agents, trans fats, and above-ground pools, baby. That's the American way. Another helping of potato salad? Another burger? You sure? It's what the fallen soldiers would want you to do. They made the ultimate sacrifice so that we'd be able to eat this kind of trash at the occasional backyard barbecue. But we eat like this every day, Mom. Go to your room. For those of you who have lost loved ones in the fight, I'm sending you love and support. What, what an absolute sacrifice he or she made in order to protect our freedoms. A truly awesome concept to fathom. They deserve respect and remembrance, certainly. I yearn for a day where Americans and humans from within any borders no longer need to make this sacrifice. As do most of us, right? So let's see if we can't do our part to see to it then. Sorry, I have a tendency to go a little Joan Baez here and there. It's slippery up here on this soapbox. Why would it be slippery on a soapbox? I mean, does this guy think a soapbox is made of soap? Okay, so let's lighten things up a little. Well, let's lighten things up, but first, let's start the show. Today's topic is one that belongs here on the day immediately following Memorial Day. Smack dab after one of your most impressive eating performances since maybe last Memorial Day? When your sodium levels and digestion processes are still soaring high above normal? Some of you may have even woken up drowning in protein perspiration known less pretentiously as the meat sweats? Ladies and germs, let's give it up for today's topic. Food! That's right, food! Food. 
ranked as tied for first as the most important human need by that old gas bag, Abraham Maslow. Yeah, Maslow ranked food up at the top. BuzzFeed ranked it third, tied with access to reruns of Friends, because when you really think about it, are you truly alive without Chandler's sarcastic wit? Another quick tidbit about Abraham Maslow through the journalistic lens of BuzzFeed. Abe's a total Phoebe. Moving on, food. I've got a love-hate relationship with the stuff, honestly. As in, I love eating it, and then I immediately hate myself after it. See that? Love-hate. At times, I've been obsessive about what goes into my body. At other times, most other times, less so. Where am I at today, you ask? Well, somewhere in the middle. But that's a big improvement from how I would have answered that question two years ago, when I was unhappy and lonely and kind of over it all. Also known as the Uber Eats era. Some of you have your very own Uber Eats era, I bet. Maybe you're even still in that era. Damn it, Uber Eats, why did you have to go and get all prevalent around here in Grand Rapids right when I fell into my spiral of shame, huh? And if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, do I have an unhealthy relationship with, with Uber Eats? Then allow me to share with you a personal story from my actual life. All these stories that I share, by the way, are personal ones from my actual life. Assuming you already knew that, but I'm just verifying for you. But you know you've got a problem with Uber Eats if you've ever done this trick that I'm about to explain. One that I did numerous times, and I'm not proud. All right, Kirky, you worked your tail off today at work. I mean, you had that awesome discussion at breakfast with engineering. Knocked that marketing group's socks off over oysters at lunch. And then you had to drive four hours back and only stop for Slim Jims once. I mean, good job. Hmm. Maybe I should celebrate with something tasty. I mean, after all, I didn't rent this apartment in the middle of downtown for nothing. I moved here for the scene. So many restaurants within a couple blocks walk. And walkability is directly related to Uber Eats' ability, too. And, and when you're lonely and hungry and looking to fill a void, the choice is clear. You're not going to walk anywhere. You're going to get Uber Eats, right? So let's fast forward 30 minutes. I'm tracking the little car icon through the streets of Grand Rapids. Why would you turn left on Pearl, you dummy? Okay, cool. Didn't slow him down. Too bad. That's about when I hit him up in the in-app messaging. Yo, Peter. Just let me know when you're pulling up and I'll buzz you into the apartment. I'm sure on the under end of this message, Peter's thinking, really, Kirk? You can't just meet me down the stairs so I don't have to park in the street and weave my way through this massive line of concert goers waiting to get into this venue? But I wasn't born yesterday, folks. That's why I always dropped another quick message right after that. Oh, and Peter, don't worry. I'll make it worth your while. I mean, ridiculous behavior, right? I mean, I'm surprised I didn't ask him to deliver the food directly into my mouth. Uh, Peter, can you make airplane sounds? I'll make it worth your while. It's hard to describe the combination of emotions that floods the bloodstream of a food-obsessed suppressive when the Uber Eats car icon slowly comes to a stop in front of his building. Come on up. Okay, here comes the litmus test. The true assessment of whether you have an eating problem, or at least an Uber Eats problem. I've got my pants back on at this point. I'm waiting at the door so I can be quick to answer. I mean, I wouldn't want to waste any of Peter's time. I hear the elevator stopping on my floor. I hear the elevator doors opening. Be cool, Kirk. You got this. Peter gets a couple knocks in, but I wait a little. Standing in the shadows of the front door, I mean, I stage myself there out of excitement, but now I'm realizing that if I just answer right away, it'll seem desperate. 
as if I was just waiting there for him, which I was, but he can't know that. Play it cool. Then one more half knock and I throw open the door. And what I'm about to admit is true, and I did it more than a few times. I throw open the door with my eyes averted back into the living area of the apartment. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. I'd scream into my empty couch. I reach out and grab the food from Peter, none too pleased about the parking situation, I'm, I'm sure. Thanks, Peter, I exclaim as I hand over a few extra bucks, you know, for his troubles. And as he turns away from me, folding his thermal storage tote under his arm and walking back to the elevator, I shout out to my empty apartment, Food's here, everyone! Loud enough for him to hear it, of course, probably loud enough for my neighbors to hear it, the same neighbors that know that I'm in there by myself and there is no everyone. And notice that I told everyone that the food was there. Not just another person, but everyone. Have you ever done this? Have you ever pretended to be hosting a large party of hungry friends in order to deceive Uber Eats Peter into thinking that you wouldn't be housing the burger wings and two appetizers all by yourself? If you have done this, delete the app. If you haven't, delete the app. Walk for the food or make it yourself. It's crazy to think I, I actually did this. I mean... What kind of sick elixir of insecurity, image obsession, disgusting gluttony must have had to have occurred for me to have done this, right? And I'm not even ready to confront it yet, honestly, so let's just leave this here for now. But it does feel better for having shared it, so that's progress, I suppose. This whole podcast project is all about being open and honest, even about the more embarrassing elements of ourselves. I've got no concerns about sharing this stuff with you. And I can't stress enough how beneficial it is to talk things out, or in this case, to write them out and then talk them out. It helps you see your own behaviors a little bit more objectively when you have to explain it in plain language to somebody else. This whole, food's here, everyone, ruse is a ridiculous one. But I'm so glad that I shared it with you. I feel a little bit less shameful about it now. But this podcast isn't all about this old chunk of coal and all of the embarrassing parts of me. Sometimes I have to talk about other people, too. And today, that other person is my former colleague, Yoshio Takahara. Or Takahara-san, more specifically. It would be impossible to provide a clear picture as to who exactly Takahara-san is, but it's worth a try. Takahara-san is somewhere between 65 and 135 human years old. He's a Japanese-born businessman who understands the working cultures of both Japanese and American companies. A few more factoids. He once texted me from his iPhone, which for some reason was at that point coming through as his iCloud email address. And perhaps nothing illustrates the international man of mystery Takahara-san better than what was revealed by his iCloud email address, which was... I like jacuzzi at iCloud.com. That's right. I like jacuzzi. Who likes jacuzzi so much that they create their Apple ID using an email like that? Like I like jacuzzi at iCloud.com. But who doesn't like them enough to, to upgrade the verb from like to love? You're so crazy about jacuzzis that you, you make an email but you don't love them? What, crazy about jacuzzi at iCloud.com was taken? Another example, Takahara-san once showed up to work seven hours late after my friend and I took him out drinking and throwing darts at GR's tin can the previous night. But he was seven hours late the next day. I mean, no big deal, honestly, but this is the same guy who a few months later left me at the Honetsugi train station because I had missed my planned train, delaying my arrival by four minutes, and he leaves me, admonishing me. 
He's an enigma, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Or in Japanese, a nazo. Nazo. Takahara-san's favorite actor, Will Smith, or Will Smith's, as he called him. His favorite movie, Titanic, because of the quote-unquote romance. Enigmatic as he was, he was still my guy when it came to travel to Japan. And nothing quite introduces you into a new culture like their food, and the food in Japan is especially adept at achieving that. And for a few years, Takahara-san, the possibly 135-year-old jet-black dyed-haired Japanese business tycoon, was my personal dining partner. Which may sound good from the outside, but it's not everything you're thinking. First off, Takahara-san was legendarily frugal. If he hadn't clipped out a discount coupon from the local magazine for that particular restaurant, then that particular restaurant was just not on the list of dining options. I mean, I'm all about responsible expense management, don't get me wrong, but how comfortable would you feel slurping down blowfish prepared eight different ways from a place offering 30% off to its guests? You know, blowfish, or brofish, as Takahara might say. In Japanese, it's called fugu. But fugu can kill you if it's not prepared correctly, requiring rigorous training and certification protocols in order to even serve this stuff. I mean, do I really want that at a discount? Look, I could do an entire hour on just food stories, just with Takahara-san, but for your sake, I've selected just a couple. Here's the first one. One Wednesday evening, Takahara-san was in the U.S., and as was the case for such occasion, my friend Zach and I treated him to a meal of his choosing. Anywhere you'd like Takahara-san doesn't even have to be a coupon place. Bonefish Grill, he exclaimed. Perfect. Plus, it's Wednesday night, and unbeknownst to Takahara, Bang Bang Shrimp are half off on Wednesdays. I mean, dude can't help but sniff out discounts. We ordered a bottle of red wine, a couple glasses of white. We crushed a couple orders of Bang Bang Shrimp. A 12-ounce ribeye with smashed potatoes for old Yoshi. But that's when Zach and I began to grow concerned. Because Takahara's face grew redder and redder in complexion until it almost matched the color of his medium-rare steak. He began sweating profusely. He seemed to be struggling with putting together coherent thoughts. I texted Zach from across the table, uh, is Takahara going to be okay? And before he could even reply, the waitress arrives with our after-dinner cocktails, beers for Zach and I. Your drink will be right out, sir. We're just finishing up. Perfect, I thought. I think we need to cut this guy off anyway. I mean, he seems a little boozy. He's got the alcohol flush going on. And Zach looked at him with genuine concern when he asked, Takahara-san, are you okay? You seem like you might not be feeling so well. No, no, Zach-san, I'm okay. I have diabetes. Wait, you're okay because you have diabetes? You can't squelch our concerns with your health by informing us that you have a serious medical condition. That's the opposite of what we needed. And this medical condition seems to be exacerbated by tonight's 1,500-calorie meal and all the booze. But Zach and I awkwardly giggled through and accepted his explanation. We quietly drank our beers and hoped we weren't sharing in Takahara's last supper. And soon enough, the waitress showed back up with his drink. Couldn't decide between a drink and dessert, eh, sir? And as she said those words, Zach and I saw for the first time what exactly it was that he had ordered and we blurted out in laughter as it became clear that Takahara-san had ordered Bonefish Grill's featured chocolatini. For real, the dude ordered a chocolatini. He's diabetic and he orders a chocolatini. Are you kidding me? You couldn't write this stuff. We finished our drinks without incident before heading to the tin can to play darts. 
maybe by now you're making the connection that this same night was the one preceding the workday that saw Takahara-san show up to work seven hours late. And don't think for a second that was a comfortable morning for Zach or me. I mean, is Takahara coming in today or is he in diabetic shock in his hotel room bathroom right now? Happily, he did arrive to work and all is well. So maybe Takahara-san never pulled the old, hey, food's here, everyone, to an Uber Eats delivery driver, but that doesn't mean he's made good dietary choices. He suffers from pretty bad diabetes, and while I'm not certain as to the root causes of it, I, I can certainly surmise that his diet plays a role. One time, having recently returned from the U.S., and, and right before I was flying out to Japan, Takahara-san called me frantically. He had forgotten his insulin shots in his hotel room in Grand Rapids. Please bring it to Japan, Kirk-san, he begged. And I planned to, to be honest, up until I realized that this insulin he spoke of was already preloaded into syringes. But still, nevertheless, I planned to bring him. Last minute before the trip, I checked around with my management team, and they universally agreed that bringing a dozen syringes to the airport on the front end of an important business trip probably wasn't the best idea. So I left the insulin and its syringes back at the office. My boss and I arrived later that night with plans to see Takahara-san the, the following morning at the office. And it was when we were on the road to Nissan headquarters with Takahara-san behind the wheel, an already risky proposition, when I decided to come clean. Takahara-san, I didn't bring your insulin. We thought it would be too risky to bring along, and we couldn't disrupt the business trip with me being denied entry or stuck in customs. I'm sorry, but it was a decision I had to make. No, 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 you're joking, right? No, I'm not joking. I didn't bring it. And what transpired from here, guys, is perhaps the most aggressive and thorough verbal undressing I've ever experienced. You didn't bring it. You didn't bring it. What is wrong with you, Kirksan? I'm sorry, Takahara-san. I, I didn't want to get in trouble with it. Do you need it? Do I need it? Do I need it? It's my insulin. I'm diabetic. If I didn't need it, then I wouldn't have asked. Oh, I am Kirk Ross. I am big tough guy, but really I am just scared of everything. Scared of customs, scared of insulin. Jesus Christ, Kirksan, you are so naive. I'm sorry, I, I guess I didn't know you needed it since you've not had it for a couple of weeks. I mean, I can have Zach send it over. Send it over? How? Well, I don't know, by FedEx or something. FedEx? It's drugs, Kirksan. It will get stuck in customs. Right, I mean, wouldn't I have also been stuck in customs? Enough, Kirksan, enough. Ultimately, I worked with Zach back stateside to get these meds shipped to Takahara's wife, who was in Chicago, so that she could bring the insulin when she returned to Japan shortly thereafter. Oh, is she coming soon then, I asked? Uh, next month, was Takahara's reply. So, next month, I mean, did this dude really need this stuff or not? Like I said, he's a riddle. A nazo. The only other time Takahara expressed such anger in my direction was at a restaurant in Yokohama, Japan called Yamachan, one of my favorites. Zach was with me in this case too when Takahara ordered for the whole table and we feasted that evening. And when the dust all settled, only one plate remained. Cook-san, Zach-san, you're just going to waste this? We nervously scrambled for our responses. Uh, uh, what exactly is that? It's just a garnish, isn't it? No, it's tomato and mayonnaise. Every American I know eats this. Can you picture it, guys? A sliced tomato next to a giant dollop of room-temperature mayonnaise? Yum, just like home. To this day, whenever possible, I still slip in an order of tomato and mayo for my buddy Zach, and it never fails. Six dollars well spent, if you ask me. 
And while I've got Zach on my mind and food on my mind, as if either of these things are uncommonly on my mind, but when I've got these things on my mind, in this case, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the loose meat coney. Do you guys know about this thing? It's a Detroit area coney staple. Stop into American Coney or Lafayette Coney in downtown Detroit or any of the Leos around Southeast Michigan, and you'll see it as an offering, the Loose Meat Coney. I mean, what a terrible name for something intended to be appetizing, right? Each word is worse than the previous one, isn't it? Loose? Okay, tough start, but I typically like my food on the tighter side, but loose could be good too. Meat? What? The, the, the meat is loose? What type of meat is it, and why has it lost its constitution? Coney. Awesome. Now I'm trying to figure out how I get a hot dog to fit into this whole mess. But Zach and I were particularly hungover on this particular Sunday when we stopped at the Coney Island in Royal Oak. We ordered the works, including, by the way, a couple of loose meat conies. We'd ultimately surmised that loose meat was probably just the name for the sauce that was less sticky and less chili-like. You smelling what I'm cooking? So we expected to get a couple of Kogel hot dogs with some loose meat sauce on top. But they made a mistake. I mean, had to have made a mistake, right? Because when these loose meat conies or LMCs came out, there was an obvious omission. There were no Kogel hot dogs. In fact, there weren't any hot dogs. Excuse me, ma'am, I said. There are no hot dogs in these. I thought you ordered loose meat, she grumbled. Loose meats don't have hot dogs. Sweet Jesus, what an educational exchange for Zach and me. In one single response, we learned two important things about the loose meat coney. One, that it doesn't have a hot dog. And two, that real Detroiters call them simply loose meats. Drop the coney and go with just loose meats. We couldn't bring ourselves to eat a hot dog bun filled with nothing more than loose meat sauce, so we ordered a couple Kogels a la carte. By the way, never order Kogels a la carte from a Detroit Coney restaurant. I mean, they showed up 30 seconds later, dripping with hot dog water, no charring or anything, just a couple of pale, curved dogs on a plate. To this day, on occasion, I will send a single loose meat Coney or LMC through Uber Eats to Zach's house in Royal Oak. Hilarious gag, well worth the $12 price tag. You know what? As I'm going through this, I'm starting to realize that I've spent a lot of cash on food gags for Zach. Hmm. Typically, I have a clean, neat resolution to these Tuesday episodes. Some general lesson to apply to life that might help its listeners. But I don't really have that today. I know that I've still got to eat healthier, and maybe I don't have a lesson to articulate yet because I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't learned my lesson yet but I'll keep you posted on that progress. Maybe the lesson here really is, isn't about food so much as about those people who we share food with. That's why food is so important to a culture anyway, right? Not the exact type of cuisine or how it's prepared so much as how it interacts with our relationships. We're now three months into this coronavirus thing with months to come, and I sure do miss my friends and family. And I miss grabbing a bite to eat at a new spot with an old friend. Who else is excited to break some bread again? Look, the restaurant scene is going to be vastly different when things find their new normal, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe we don't need hundreds of dining options, really, do we? Especially now that we're learning that the real magic of food isn't the food itself, but the entire meal as a whole, which includes your friends, your family, your server, and the stories you exchange over that food, and all of the special memories we have that involve food, but that really aren't about food. They're about laughter and tears, and love, and fear. 
And if you're at a place that offers loose meats, then maybe all four of those things at the same time. Peace out, everybody. I've got to run because my Uber Eats just got here. Food's here, everyone! Peace out and bon appetit, y'all. Take it away, Joe. Let's bring it on home, baby. 616 in Bangkok, baby.